It was almost two o'clock today before I put a bra on and brushed my teeth. <laughs> I took Yay a for homeschool. I took a shower today. It was pretty. That's a huge win. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> One week postpartum, you're getting a shower in yeah. before noon. Yeah. That's epic. Yeah. Feels pretty glorious. But I will say I did have a phantom baby cry when I was in the shower. Did you ever have that? Oh, yeah. Especially like, when there's more than one and you're you're like envisioning yeah. something happening that's so bad. so bad with Cam. So I'm in the shower. I'm like enjoying it, it's like brushing my hair. And then I hear like what I think is a baby cry. So I like <gasps> shoot my head out of the shower. He's dead asleep. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I used to put them in the bathroom with me because I didn't trust the older siblings to leave them alone. Yeah, Kim is very, very obsessed. So, like, he's trying to climb in the bassinet or, climb, you know, get right up and kiss him and hug him. And today he threw a blanket over his head. (laughs) It's amazing that Uh, any baby survives. It's like, yeah, oh, second, I can tell already, like, this second kid is going to be way more more resilient. I have like adaptable. I remember I have a picture of David. He piled all these stuffed animals on Owen in his little rock and play and like you could just see Owen's like tiny little face otherwise he was covered in stuffed animals. I was watching it the whole time and of course like recording but do you have one of those play pens that that expand out and they have the floor in them? Oh yeah yeah yeah. You have one? Because that was a lifesaver. I would set up the baby in the rocker or on a blanket or whatever inside that to keep the older one so the other ones could not like readily get in there or the dogs Mm. kept the dogs away too that's a good idea i think we're maybe oh we'll see his impulse control so far has been okay but good may once my mom leaves the jealousy may jealousy factor may (laughs) increase a little bit yeah and less help so you'll have one less pair of eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when Rob goes or Bobby goes back to work, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. all you. Yeah. Good times. Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. So it's been a week and a day since little Robert came into this world, Mm -hmm. and we get to dive into all the details that I've been dying to know, and I've tried not to ask too many questions because I want it to be a surprise on the podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to, I'm trying to figure out how I can position this best here, okay. Um, yeah, to share share all about this, I was listening to uh, after Cam- after Robert was born. I had I had I'd half listened to the last episode, and then after I got home, uh, I listened to the rest of it, and it was so amazing that like all the things that I had talked about, and but I kind of had held back on really saying like this is exactly what I want, this is how I want things to go, because there was also this like nervousness of I put this experience out into the world and I'm making it public. I have uh, 
Robert right here on me, so if we get any more baby sounds. But the baby cues are adorable. Uh, <laughs> we need more of them. Mm-hmm. He is passed out. So it was just sort of this idea of like, in my mind, I knew exactly how I wanted things to go. I knew I had sort of imagined it for a long time, what to me would be the ideal birth. I'd listened to so many different birds and watched different videos and knew sort of exactly how I wanted to feel throughout and during and after, but with reservation and knowing that like, I don't want to say, I don't want to jinx it, but kind of jinx it in that if it doesn't go that way, I'll know that I'm also going to be okay because I have this support system around me and it's all, it's going to be all good. But it really, really did go, could not have gone better. It was, it was amazing. Um, it was so fun to edit, like, because you texted me, like, the first thing when I woke up Sunday morning was that text, like, my water broke. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to get this, like, podcast edited <laughs> yeah. so we can release it on his birthday. Yeah. Or I didn't know a he at that point, yeah. baby's birthday. Uh-huh. And then the whole day I was editing, it was, like, sending birth wishes, like, yeah. as I'm, like, I, and I really, listening to our conversation. I really felt, like, yeah, just really supported and, and excited and all those good good energy vibes. Um, so you were grocery shopping at like three or four in the afternoon Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So your water <laughs> broke early. Yeah. yeah. So on Saturday, camp, my older son uh, had just turned three. And so the weekend after he'd turned three, we had a couple of our kind of bubble people um, over and I ordered a a bounce house to come because I was like, you know, just to have something kind of fun for something special for his birthday. And we'd been talking so much about how after your birthday, then the baby's coming. Like that has been like the big, the big thing that we've been talking about. So the bounce house, I had rented it for the afternoon, but they dropped it off like first thing in the morning, like at 8 a.m., Cam and I were out there because it was already set up and we were bouncing in it. We were like jumping in the bounce house. And I really have felt so good. And I had felt so good that I felt like the baby was just going to stay in for like (laughs) 45 weeks because I was like, I really feel great. No real contractions, no symptoms, anything. And I had had a cervical check. My cervix was high and closed and posterior and like a week earlier. Um, So I really was not anticipating the baby coming anytime soon. Um, But my mom had gotten into town on Wednesday, like the Wednesday before. Thank goodness. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) and honestly, though, I did feel a shift mentally when my mom got here and that I shifted from, I don't know, shifted from not thinking about it to being like, okay, now everything's set up. My mom is here. Kim and her are like, bonding really quickly again like nothing like no time at all had passed even though it'd been like seven months since they or since February since we'd seen her and yeah I just felt like very calm and and maybe that had something to do with it my guess though is that jumping on a (laughs) jumping on a uh uh bounce house and going down the slide on the bounce house at 38 weeks pregnant (laughs) um but I didn't feel any pelvic pressure. I, like, awesome. I honestly felt like it felt really good to jump on it. But anyways, it must have jostled things enough, maybe. <laughs> or maybe he was just ready to come. So we had like a fun, such a fun day. That night, I, I woke up at like one in the morning and couldn't really fall back asleep. 
and I'm just laying on my side, just like, you know, awake. And then I go to roll over to the other side. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to roll over to the other side. And it was like, not a pop, but it felt like I just, yeah, like a gush. And it was definitely not pee. So then I was like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> my water didn't break with Kim until they broke it in when I was in labor. And so I'd never felt like what that felt like. And so um, actually one of my friends had talked about how she at maybe 36 or 37 weeks had had a gush in the middle of the night. And she thought it was her water and was convinced it was her water, went and got it checked, but it wasn't her water and it wasn't urine. So it was like, she was like, it must have just been like a big gush of whether it was cervical fluid or who knows. But she Hmm. was like, it wasn't a water breaking situation. And so I was like, well, maybe it wasn't so much that I was like, oh, it's definitely my water. So I kind of got up, went to the bathroom. And then so I'm peeing and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm peeing and then I stopped peeing and then I kind of like bored down a little bit and then more came out, but it was not pee. So I was like, that's different. That's like coming from a different, (laughs) coming from a different place. And so I put on a, like it depends bladder underwear thing because I was like this is maybe too much water for just like a pad to to hold so I put one of those on so that's like 1 30 in the morning Bobby has my husband been working on like a kind of a project for work that was going off the next week so we had always said Bobby had always said after October 2nd or whatever <laughs> the baby can come after October 2nd but I've got to get this thing done and clearly this was before before that. And I, again, was fully expecting to work the next two weeks. So I had some like couple evaluations from Friday that I hadn't finished writing up yet. (laughs) So I woke up, Bobby woke up, we were both like, we've got work, we've got to finish before this baby comes. (laughs) So literally, he's on, hops up onto his computer, starts like finishing his... This is like in the morning? In the middle of the night. Two in the morning? Two in the morning. So he's finishing his work. He had some like slides he had to finish. I get up, finish my evals that I had to write up, put my computer away. I was like, okay, now contractions can start. I'm fully thinking labor's going to start. I should get some rest. I'm going to go back to bed, put on some hypnobirthing and just see if I can like relax. And then I never really got any contractions. So I slept the rest of the night, woke up in the the morning, texted the doula again. I texted her that night and then texted her the next morning being like, hey, still no contractions, just the occasional like pressure. The other side of things was that I had tested positive, GBS positive. Mm -hmm. And so this had been a little bit of like a point of anxiety for me because I was like, I really would rather not be in the hospital for four hours and be on an IV and then also be on like their timeline Mm -hmm. of water breaks, 24 hours, baby needs to be born because I was doing some reading and research that again that morning being like, okay, well, what does the evidence say? What does evidence birth based birth say and really you know in a gbs positive situation it is maybe a little bit more important but in general you know labor will get started sometime after water breaks and that it's really not a hard and fast rule it just means if the antibiotics aren't in your system for four hours we just watch monitor mom monitor baby really closely and treat quickly if something does happen. So what when I texted the doula, she goes, just watch your water. If it's clear, it doesn't 
it doesn't smell, it's not, there's no meconium in the water, then we'll just kind of keep our eye on those, those things. And so I was comfortable, was comfortable with that and sort of made that decision considering all of the, all of that information. And because I really wasn't having any contractions starting, I didn't want to like get on Pitocin or anything like that Mm -hmm. and just really make things a whole lot more uncomfortable or fast than, than they needed to be. So yeah, so I woke up, we had breakfast, we, my doula texted me the mile circuit, which is sort of three poses that you, or three activities that you do for about 30 minutes each. So one's called the open knee chest position, one's called exaggerated side lying, and um, the other one is like lunging or stair or curb walking. It's just doing like an asymmetrical like lunging position. So you do each of those for 30, 30 minutes, and it's supposed to like encourage labor to get get started. So in that, in like the open knee chest position, you're like, you start on all fours and then you go down so that your chest is on the ground and you're really, it's kind of like an uncomfortable position with your, like your chest down, your butt up. Like puppy pose. Yeah. And then you can take like a remote, like a sheet or I had actually like a super band that I'd hooked under my hips and hooked it up to a door so I could just like rest in that position with a bunch of pillows all around. And that I felt like did give me a few contractions. And then when I came up out of that position, felt like the baby kind of like sunk down into my pelvis a little bit more. But really, it didn't didn't get anything really going. I drank some raspberry leaf tea. I pumped a little bit. But again, nothing, nothing really significant. So I was like, all right, I just need to like get my mind off of things. Let's go to the park. Let's just like do something. And I really also do think it was partially like it was the daytime game was around is that my body was like, ah, we don't really need you to be in like full on labor with your kid, like watching. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So, oh, so, so before that, so part of the, this whole process was choosing providers with Cam's birth, I had, it was a big OB practice. I just cycled through providers, never really like built a relationship with any of them. And you had no choice as to who was going to be on call and actually went through three different OBs when I was in labor with Cam because that's how long I was in the hospital. <laughs> so they just shift, change, shift, change. Not that there was anything in particular that anyone did wrong by like textbook, but I just felt like it wasn't super supportive and I just did I just didn't want to do that again. And so I had considered a home birth, but again, one of my and our midwife friend had had said, you know, you're a great candidate for home birth. You'll probably do great. Um, but if you're having any doubts about it, then don't do it. And so I think I was just having some some doubt earlier on and the practice that I ended up going to had has some midwives, has some OBs. It's a small hospital. And so it sort of seemed like like a nice happy medium. And they had a hi- just hired a new OB at that clinic. And so I made one of my first appointments with that OB and I kind of grilled him. <laughs> and he was young and new to the practice and from New York City. You know, we had this sort of tough conversation about due dates. And I was like, what's your opinion on post dates and induction forty being going over 40 weeks? And his answer without hesitation was, you know, the evidence says this and this about placentas after the after 39 weeks. However, if baby's healthy and there's ways we can tell if baby's healthy and you're healthy, ultimately we can't make you do anything. It's our decision to inform you and it's your body and you get to decide what happens. And so I was like, perfect. 
that's that's all I want. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just want that conversation to be able to have happen. And then after that, I told him I was a public floor PT and like this is what I do. And, and so I ended up just based on our schedules, seeing that OB actually most of the the pregnancy. And I just really I just liked his his approach to things because he was just like really pretty, pretty chill about everything. And so he, when I was there at my 30, my last appointment, 37 weeks, I guess, he was like, oh, let's look at the schedule and see who's on call. And so they used to have three midwives and the three midwives used to take first call. And then if they needed something or there was an emergency, then they'd call one of the OBs. But there's been a lot of transition at the office and the hospital. And so one of the midwives is not there anymore. And one, I guess, had just had surgery. And so they were down to one midwife. And I kind of told them, I was like, look, it's not the end of the world if an OB delivers my baby. I just still want that same experience of like, I want to do, I want to push the way I want to push. I want to be in a position that I want to be in. I don't want to be pressured for different things. And he's like, okay, well, this week, that's the week the midwife is on. And he goes, then I'm on the next week. But I'd kind of forgotten. I was like, ah, I can't remember what he said. Whoever's going to be there is going to be there. And so when the midwife ended up being on call when I went in, which was cool. That was just an important piece in the journey of like picking. And I think it's okay to switch providers if you're not comfortable Mm-hmm. But um, it's okay to switch practices mid-pregnancy. Um, again, our friend who's a midwife, I had mentioned to her that I was a little, when I was pregnant with Cam, like disappointed in one of the a conversation I had with an OB at the OB practice that I was at. And she's like, well, then just switch practices. Yeah. And I was like 32 weeks and I was like, eh, I don't know if I should switch. It's kind of late. And I didn't end up switching. And I think, you know, in hindsight, that would have been a good, the right call. And that was good advice. So, you know, that was definitely something that I would advise people to do if they're uncomfortable with the care that they're getting and it's accessible to transition to different care that makes you feel more comfortable, then that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, where was I? So I was not having contractions. So then we decided to go to the park and my doula was like, how about you go get something to maybe make cookies so when you get home from the park, you can just bake something or cook something and kind of get get out of your own head and just distract yourself and think about something else. So we went to the park. We got ice cream. We had a really fun afternoon all together. And then we uh, went and got, yeah, we got ice cream. We went to the grocery store. And I was like, I don't really want any baked goods, but I really want lasagna. <laughs> so I... Um, Bought all the stuff to make lasagna. We got home. We had dinner. My mom was like, I'm going to take Cam up to bed for you guys. And I made lasagna. <laughs> we got snacks for the hospital. We got like all those things because we knew like this is happening. And if I don't go into labor soon, then we're going to have to go anyways. So so mom, did you have a time frame in your head? I was kind of like, if I haven't, if labor hasn't started in 24 hours, then we'll go. Okay. But fully intending on kind of lying, essentially, when we got there about how long my water had been broken for. Because, again, I didn't want them to be like, oh, 24-hour C-section. Oh, okay. Yeah. You barely – you were cutting it close there. Yeah, and I don't think they would have done a C-section. Wasn't it 11? So – When you started, like, uh, like getting uncomfortable? Yeah, probably around 11. (laughs) And he was born at 2 a.m., so – one hour over 24 hours from my water breaking 
So it was fine. Yeah. Close. Yeah, right. very close. <laughs> so yeah, so then after I made that lasagna, I like kind of dimmed the lights in the house. Bobby was watching football. I don't know who was playing. He was watching the football game. The Green Bay was maybe playing. Like, I don't know. Well, that was after his army team lost, and he was pretty upset yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I did the mild circuit, or I put on my essential oils with the clary sage and the lavender. I did um, like a little bit of stretching. I did part of the mild circuit again, but my um, I didn't do the like entire thing. I just did like the open knee chest position and had Bobby kind of pull on the my hips a little bit. And so I was having a contraction probably every 15 to 20 minutes, but they were getting a little bit more intense. Um, so then I sat on the exercise ball and actually did some acupuncture points on myself. So I did that one on my ankle and on each side and then my hand on each side. I can't remember the exact names of them. And then I, while those were in, I actually pulled my pump out and pumped for like 15 minutes on each side just to see if, again, that would like kind of stimulate uterine, you know, activity. So it sounds so peaceful and slow and calm, but were you anxious at all or did you have, were you, I was, did you feel like you were under I the like, clock or? Uh, no, I kind of had just released that as like a thing. I was like, I'm not going to subscribe to that because again I wasn't showing any signs of infection waters were still clear not smelly like again no other other signs of of infection so I again it was just sort of like where I took on kind of assumed that so even as you were nearing the 24 hours and in your head knew you'd go to the hospital Mm -hmm. did you feel like you had to get these contractions going so that you didn't go to the hospital and be like early, yeah. Put in the kind of the medical, yeah, no, domino totally, effect, totally, yeah, a little bit. And but I knew like okay, but if that's the way, if that's the way things go, then so be it. But very quickly things <laughs> things got going. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah, so then contractions were probably every ten minutes, but still really like tolerable and manageable. So I actually had like this awesome heating pad um, in my TENS unit. And so I put my TENS just like prophylactically on my lower back and then put the heating pad on my like where my my um, contractions were, which were like really low and low by my pubic bone and sort of wrapped the heat around my lower abdomen and then went in the second mile circuit position was stacking yourself up, sort of laying on your stomach with kind of turned to the right side a little bit with your right knee really pulled up high. And so I had my hypnobirthing in and I had the heat and the tens on and I just, I was like, I'm going to get a little rest and just sort of see what happens. So I'm not like so super exhausted. So I texted the doula. I said, Hey, I'm going to do this for like 30 minutes and I'll text you and see where we're at after that. So literally by the end of that 30 minutes and I was feeling contractions every probably seven ish eight minutes at that point totally reasonable until about the end of that 30 minutes because I was like falling asleep in between those contractions um and then all of a sudden I couldn't fall asleep in between the contractions and then all of a sudden I couldn't be still Mm. and I was like squirming and getting you know getting up into all fours and then had to like breathe through them a little bit more so then after that started that's when I texted Bridget the doula and I said you know what I'm still doing good but I think I could use a little bit more support. So um, 
and then kind of that's when I got to the the side of the bed and I was doing a lot of like swaying and a little bit of lunging and just trying to encourage and sort of just encourage them to keep coming. So they were probably coming at that point. Let's see. Texted Bridget and she got there around 11.50. So um, right before midnight and she just kind of got straight to business. She was really she just kind of came into our space and came into it without saying a whole lot or being really um, aggressive in any way. She just kind of would like during a contraction, she would kind of put her hands on me and I think just sort of gauge my reception to that. And something that I had really focused on and worked on this time was that with when I would have contractions with Cam, I was really holding back because I think in the hospital, I was embarrassed Mm-hmm. I was embarrassed to, like, make the sounds that my mm-hmm. body wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And so I would, like, hold my breath and I'd hold the contraction in. And they would all be like, breathe, breathe. And I'd be like, I just I just couldn't let go. And so I was a little bit worried because I felt like I had been doing a really good job of, like, starting to vocalize a little bit and, like, feel my jaw be relaxed and really make low tones and low sounds that help kind of that cervix open and using words like out and open to like help that all happen. And so I was a little nervous, like, is my, am I going to be embarrassed with in front of her? And I think initially I sort of thought about that. And then once it kind of got into a groove, it was like a non, a non issue. So, so they, I can't remember where I read this or heard it, but it was something like you make the same sounds when the baby comes out as when it was created. (laughs) No. Oh, yeah. So Bobby was like audio recording and video recording just like intermittently throughout. And and I was glad for it because it was cool to like tell him how I was feeling and what we were doing at that moment. So that when when I was trying to like recall everything, um, we had some of those. But yeah, no, some of those last audio clips of like right before he was born, I would be fine to never listen to those again <laughs> um, because it's just in, it's just intense. But to me, it felt so comforting to make all of those sounds. Mm-hmm. And it felt like that was like the exact right thing mm-hmm. to do. Well, isn't it Ina May who talks about the glottis yeah. and the vocal cords? If you keep tension there, you're going to keep tension in yeah. your cervix. Like kind of that sphincter law too. It's so you of have like, to like let it you've out. Gotta, you've got to just let it let it go. Um, and yeah, so like with that sphincter law, like do you introduce this new person in your body, close back up and tighten back up? Mm-hmm. Or can you keep can you keep going? Mm-hmm. And so I could keep going. And so my mom was home or was at our house. She was upstairs with Cam. And it was funny because in earlier labor, um, I like kind of felt a little bit bad because I was like, you know what, mom, I think I would feel better if you just like went upstairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, not that, I don't know. It was just, again, like I felt like I could like really let go and release and relax and without like an extra set of eyes yeah um yeah so Bridget was just very easily kind of came in and initially did a lot of like kind of lifting of my belly and kind of pulling my belly up and back as she was doing counter pressure and Bobby was doing counter pressure yeah and so I felt that felt really really good but then what started happening not maybe right around the time she came or right before she came was I was having um double peaking contractions Mm. 
So that's where I would have a contraction. It would build up. It would kind of come to its peak and then it would ease off. And then 10 seconds later, it would come back up again. And I had been listening to a bunch of birth podcasts. And so I'm glad that I had even known what that was. Um, But I didn't really know what that meant. And so what Bridget and I had talked about afterwards was that the double peaking contractions can mean a couple different things. So in double peaking contractions, what Bridget explained to me yesterday is that it can mean that the baby is kind of in a crooked position. Well, So what she said, or she said it can mean that the baby's still really high in your pelvis or that they're kind of crooked. And okay. so what she suggested was doing this um, kind of sideline release position. And she didn't tell me that she was suggesting it because she thought they were in a crooked position, but she was like, okay, we're going to do it on each side through two contractions and it's going to be intense, but we'll see if that helps take care of those double peaking contractions. So I was like, all right, I'm game. So you essentially were laying on your side with your top leg draped over and hanging off the edge of the bed. So you're almost falling off of the bed and your bottom leg is straight, like straight in line with the rest of your body so in pri language it's kind of like your adduction like adduction drop yeah what leg is hanging over so i started like we started with just the right leg hanging over okay so it was really easy to get into that position it was easy for my right leg to drop down to the ground and so the first contraction there really wasn't too bad and then the second contraction there was like super intense like so much pressure and you could almost feel i felt like the baby like shifting down and so it was like holy that did something so then I had to take a break for like probably one or two contract probably for just one contraction until I could be convinced to do on the other side because <laughs> it was just like super intense but I was like all right if this is gonna if this is gonna do it I'll do it so when I laid on the right side I couldn't get my left leg to drop down it was like it felt like it wouldn't go so then I just like did a you know a little breathing and it finally did drop down and the two contractions on that side were like just so extreme and and it wasn't the whole thing I have a hard time like defining as pain which is so crazy because I really defined Cam's labor as being very painful it was just I could feel what was happening like I was I felt like That's I so was cool. like in tune with like him that second contraction on my right side like definitely put him in a locked and loaded position like it worked i don't feel like i was in tune with the baby's change in position with any of them and i don't know if it was i think i was just so inside myself i was not i was just trying to focus on yeah not completely losing it yeah (laughs) so yeah so she um so then from there I just like dropped down off of the bed, kneeling next to the bed, and um, I had my right arm up on the bed and my left leg up. So I was like kind of half kneeling with my right hand up. So my trunk was kind of turning to the right and I my pelvis was kind of turning to the left, which I kind of perceived as being like a PRI position, <laughs> but not not fully and was instinctually shifting my left hip back and then Bridget was helping my left knee come back as I had my right arm up on the bed and my left hand down on the ground Mm -hmm. so I was definitely in like a you know for 
PRI people in like a left AFIR right trunk rotation position and it felt it felt really good. So then from there I felt I did maybe a contraction or two there, but at that point I definitely went more quiet where I'd been like talking in between contractions and then after that sideline release I went real quiet and went real inward and was like, we're not talking anymore. And there's a recording that Bobby did at that point. And he's like, okay, what are you feeling after that? How, you know, what's going on? And I was just like, I'm fine. And then I was like, water. <laughs> <laughs> One word sentences. And so then from there, they they both were like really kind of hands-on at that point. And then part of me was like, I needed to be alone for a second. And so I was like, I'm going to the bathroom. And it just like popped up went into the bathroom, shut the door. And like, I couldn't really pee or poop, even though I felt like I had to do both because there was just like a lot of stuff, I think, like low. And so my I couldn't pee, I couldn't poop. So I get up from sitting at the toilet and then the floor tiles. I remember the tiles of the bathroom floor on my feet feeling like so cool and feeling so good. Interesting, so like hypersensitive. Up, yeah, and so I ended up like kind of leaning. The bathtub had like it has like tiles around it, so I like kind of leaned my elbows and like my hands on the cool the cool tiles. And then Bobby just came in, so it was just like me and Bobby in the bathroom for a little while. So I was kind of like had my one arm around his neck and had like two big contractions in there, and then I again really inward, really quiet, and then came out of the bathroom. And then had like a lucid moment where I think I had like a bit of a break in contractions. I look at Bridget, I look at Bobby and I'm like, I think this is the last time I'm going to be like with it enough to know that I think it's time to go to the hospital. And so that was around one o'clock. So really from probably Bridget and I started that sideline release at like 1230. So from 1230 to one o'clock, a lot a lot happened. <laughs> so you were getting into transition for yeah. sure. And yeah, so I like, yeah, I was like, this is the last chance I'm going to get. So then they were like, Bobby was like, okay, let's have a plan. Let's do three contractions to the car. We'll do one at the couch, one in the kitchen, and then the last one will move to the to the car. Well, that sounds great. In my mind, I was like, no, no, I'm getting to the car in one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sprint out there. So so I finished I finished that contraction. I pop up. I'm like, get our stuff. And I start walking <laughs> so fast, like walking as fast as I possibly could to the kitchen, blew past the couch, blew past the plan of like doing it slowly. And then I get to the kitchen counter. The contraction comes and I squat into a deep squat at the kitchen. And then my mom had come downstairs because she kind of heard us moving. And my mom is there standing with me. And after I was talking to my mom, she's like, Haley, I thought you were going to drop the baby right there on the floor. (laughs) So then, oh, my gosh. Bridget came in with, like, the hardest counter pressure on my sacrum in that contraction. And at the end of that contraction, I felt myself, my uterus and my body pushing. Like, I could feel the pressure down into my pelvic floor. I could feel the baby definitely dropped. That must have been when I went from, like, nine and a half to ten. But I didn't say anything because I was like, oh, my God. Like, you have a half-hour drive to the hospital? Yeah, I have 30 minutes. Like, I don't want everyone to, like, freak out. I think it's okay. I didn't feel, like, the head or anything. So I had the tens on. I had the hypnobirthing blasting. I made Bobby turn it on in the car. 
And I had like that kabuti seat. It's like a tailbone cushion. I put that under my butt. And they ended up like tucking my left foot underneath me. And when I would have a contraction, I'd feel that pressure down. The foot under was like pushing back into my pelvic floor. And I think that like helped me like find like a counterpoint of that intensity. So we get out of the neighborhood. I have my next contraction and I feel that bearing down sensation, but it felt so good to do it. All my pain went away in the contraction when I'd push down and it wasn't bearing down like it wasn't holding my breath. I was breathing out as I was doing it, but it was definitely like a downward pressure. So I, I was like, OK, I do I mention it or do I not mention it? So I tell Bobby, I was like, Bobby, I think the baby's ready to come out now. And he's like, and he's oh, like, shit. do I pull over? Like, he's like starting to pull over. I'm like, no, don't pull over. Don't pull over. Call Bridget. Because she was following us because we weren't sure if she was going to be able to come in or not. So she's following us. I'm like, just keep driving, keep driving. And so we we got from our house to the hospitals very fast. <laughs> we left at 1.06 and we got to the hospital, yeah, probably around 1.30. Bobby calls Bridget and she's like, Bobby's like, she's pushing, she's pushing. Like, what do we do? (laughs) And Bridget's like, I think Bridget knew that I wasn't actually pushing just based on like what sounds I was making. It wasn't like kind of grunting or anything like that. It was still like that blowing out or like exhaling. But she's like, that's fine. Push into it. That's okay to like relieve that that pressure. So it was good to like get permission to do that because I thought maybe I'd had to like hold back. And but she was like, but try not to bear down. And then um, and then the other piece of advice she gave us over the phone in the car was to like she's like in between contractions, go completely limp. Let your body go completely limp. Just to save energy or what? Yeah. And that was like super helpful and just keeping calm because Mm. I think I would have kept my body tense in between contractions and really not had the opportunity to like rest enough. Right. That was really good. But I did feel calm in the car. Um, in between contractions. And I think that was definitely the whatever track was on. I don't know what hypnobirthing track Bobby picked, but I did find myself like hearing what it was saying and then like copying it and saying that. And then and then I was really positive in the car. Like, I, I'm doing this. I can do this. And Bobby, one of the phrases Bobby and I had talked about was, you know, it, you and the baby are working together. And so he would kind of repeat that throughout the whole process. And then Another thing that another sort of phrase that Bobby kind of adopted was these contractions are not are not stronger than you because they are you. And that was really something that he kind of kept kept reminding me. And that was really reassuring. Like, yeah, I'm I'm creating this contraction. Therefore, I can I can handle it. Mm -hmm. So that was awesome. And so then we got to the hospital and this is kind of funny. (laughs) So it's a really small hospital, really quiet Um, So I really don't think their ER sees a lot of traffic. (laughs) Um, So we get out and just like kind of how I wanted to sprint from the house to the car. I like as soon as the car stopped, I opened the door and start like running, not running, but like walking very fast to get in the hospital because I was like, okay, I made it. We made it. The baby's not out yet, but I know it's imminent. And so I'm like speed walking and then a contraction hits and no one has like come out to meet us. So I just, again, squat down. (laughs) (laughs) Full deep squat in the, in the like entrance to the hospital. And it felt like it was like the longest 
distance from like the car area to the opening of the door. So then a nurse in a security guard come flying out with a wheelchair. But Bridget was saying yesterday that like all the heads of all the people at the desk couldn't see me because I was squatting down. So like everyone's like lifting their head up over the desk being like, what is going on out there? (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like screaming my head off, like just going crazy. So again, not feeling like overwhelmed or like like stressed out by any of it, but just like a sense of like, okay, there's some urgency here. So Bobby and Bridget are just like randomly grabbing things. Bobby didn't even grab my bag. I don't even know what he grabbed. He grabbed like the heat pad. <laughs> like <laughs> came in. With, I, it was so funny when we were like looking at what we had afterwards. So they get me in the wheelchair. We're waiting for the L and D nurses to come up to take me down or up to the L and D floor. All sorts of people just like poking their head in as I'm like vocalizing very loudly in the lobby. <laughs> and I'm like, I wanted to be like, quit. How many people are there at two in the morning? Well, it was like just staff, like just techs and staff, and like janitorial staff, like all just being like, "Huh, what's happening?" They were probably like in that deep, you know, when you work nights, you yeah. just, you just get in that, yeah, you know, yeah. slumber mode, and then yeah. all of a sudden, all this excitement. Yeah, so funny. So then the security guard is standing there, like just waiting. And I was, like, so confused as to why we weren't going. Like, we need to go wherever we're supposed to go. But they had to wait for the nurses to get there. I guess they won't take take you to the floor. The nurses have to come and take you to the L&D. So I was like, go, like, drive, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, um, So then it took, like, five seconds. They got there. And the nurse, the two labor and delivery lo- nurses look at Bobby and look at Bridget, and they're like, are you the doula? Because the policy really at that time was that like only one support person. But like Bridget's holding some of our stuff and like then the L&D nurse was just like, okay, come on. <laughs> and that nurse, I, sw- I need to like write them all thank you notes. But that nurse was awesome. And I think like a really great advocate because she wheeled us down. She, we were like running down the, down the hall. I <laughs> again, like this running theme was like, I didn't even wait for them to wheel me all the way into the room. As soon as the wheelchair got to the like the threshold of the room, I stood up, ripped my pants off because I still had like leggings on, <laughs> ripped my pants off, hopped up on the bed into like all fours and was like, OK, I'm here now. I did it. Game time. <laughs> and so the midwife came, like the midwife is there. They're all there. And the midwife was like, hey, can you um, flip over so we can like check your cervix and see where you're at? And I was like, I cannot. I cannot flip over. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. Like, it's not like, it was not, I didn't say I no, I will not. I said, no, I cannot. Like your body wouldn't do it? Yeah. I I was the same way I was like, when it was transitioning. I, I, yeah. I was like, so then... Again, this like angel nurse was like, well, let's just put the head of the bed up. So she pulled the head of the bed up so I could like lean on the the my elbows on the head of the bed. And she um, and she then also grabbed the monitor and like was holding it on my belly. So I think they also wanted me to flip over so they could like strap on the the monitor. And, she, and that nurse was like, no, no, I got it. It's fine. Because one of the other nurses was like, oh, do you want me to help? like strap it on she's like no I'll just hold it so like she was very supportive of me being in that position and then Bridget also was like you're doing great you can be in whatever position you want to be in and so it was good to have like those voices in your ear confirming that like what your body is doing right now is the right thing and and that 
you don't have to you don't have to submit to that request and and then the, doc, the the midwife didn't push it she was like okay one of the things that really stuck out to me and i think to the midwife for and it seems such as like a small thing but i think it was important to me based on th- what had happened with cam was that she's like okay i would like to check your cervix to make sure you're fully dilated before you really start pushing more is that okay and i was like yeah, go for it. <laughs> but it was just, I don't know, just like that small moment, that small pause of asking for permission was really important to me. Um, but I, th- again, before that, she was like, so flip over so I can check your cervix. And when I was all fours, I was like, you can check it right there. It's, it's right there. <laughs> you don't need me on my back to do that. You can find it. Right. So it's right in your face. <laughs> <laughs> So she checked it. She's like, yep, she's complete. So I was like, yes, thank you. Because my worry was that I wasn't complete and that I was like going to be like make swelling my cervix or something like that. Even though I was pretty sure based on like how things felt. So oopsie. So I I did a couple more of like those pushes where I was just kind of letting my body do it. And I was just kind of breathing out and vocalizing and I could feel my body creating that pressure down. And then I reached down to feel like, okay, how far away is his head right there or how far away is his head? And I couldn't really feel his head. So then I was like, okay, it may be a little longer than than I thought. That's okay. But at that time also my sound started getting a little higher pitched. Like I started to be like, I think you know, a little bit more kind of pain crying or like vocalizing. And so both the nurse and Bridget were like, how about we take those tones down and maybe get a few like grunts, grunts going or so I did. I kind of like tried like to bear down a little bit and I could feel like when I create a little bit of that, like bearing down pressure, I could feel him move so much down that I was like, oh, okay, like I know how to get this baby out now. And one of the cues one of the nurses gave me was like, she's like, don't push your pee out. She didn't say push like you're pooping. She was like, just don't push your pee out. Because when I would push before that, I was feeling a lot of pressure up by my like urethra, like burning kind of at the top. Mm -hmm. So when she said, don't push your pee out, I kind of got it. Like I kind of then figured out, oh, okay, I can like push through the middle And then I turned into a little bit of hip internal rotation and kind of got my ribs down and kind of hit my groove with how those pushes felt. Have have you ever seen Zootopia? Yeah, not in its entirety. So have you seen the the part where the... the sloth is like at the DMV, like typing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like going so slow. So right when we got there, <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah, it's a meme. Probably. So we right when we get there, they pull Bobby out to the hallway to re- get like me registered. I had not registered. I had not done any of those things at the hospital because I thought I had lots of time. And plus, because of COVID, you couldn't go to the hospital anyways. And so, um, I. Bobby's in the hallway and I know he's in the hallway. And then I did one of those pushes and I could feel him really move down. I could start to feel a little bit of like ring of fiery starting to happen. So I was like on the next contraction or right before the next contraction, I was like, Bobby needs to come back here. Bobby needs to come back here. And then when the contraction started, I was like, Bobby. (laughs) I wish that was on film. And so Bobby was like, he's like, I could hear you calling for me. And I told the guy, I was like, Bobby was like, his name was Raul. And he was typing so slow, (laughs) like almost done, man, almost done. And Bobby's like, dude, (laughs) 
if you make me miss the birth of my kid, I'm going to punch you. So <laughs> I'm going. And he just like came back in. And so I was like, okay. And so then I knew, okay, like I could feel what Ring of Fire was going to feel like. I could feel all those things. And I knew like totally consciously, I was like, I could do this in two or three more pushes gently, or I could do this in one more push. And I was like, if I, and I was like, I know this is bearing down. I know this is a little Valsalva. I know this may cause me to tear a little bit, but I do not give a F. <laughs> I want this baby out on this next contraction. Like, so I just like gave it all I had on the next contraction and he came out. Wow. Um, and with Cam, I feel like Cam kind of came all, all at once. There was definitely like head, shoulders, um, but not not a delay really at all. And then the midwife, so I was on all fours, the midwife caught him. She did not like mess with him. She didn't do anything. She just caught him, passed him back through my legs to me, like instantly crying. Perfect. Uh, everything was perfect. He was covered in vernix and bloody and gooey and lovely <laughs> and just so soft. And like, I remember taking him and just being like, oh, like I did it. <laughs> You know, like, holy crap, like we we did that. And I I don't remember saying this, but again, Bridget came over and we were talking about it yesterday and she was like, you almost immediately said, Cam's going to be so excited to meet you. And then the doctor or the the midwife was like, it's a boy. And I was surprised because like I, I I did have a little bit of like a girl sense and yeah. I, I don't think if, if she had said it was a girl I wouldn't have been shocked mm-hmm. but when she said it was a boy and so then I think that's kind of what triggered like oh it's you know little buddy like a little friend for for Cam and so that was really kind of a sweet a sweet moment um yeah so then his cord was really short again Cam's cord was really short too and so I couldn't really like pull him right up to me but I had him just like looking at him and just sort of being in that like sort of shock and awe of like, okay, it's over. I did it. Cool. And so I kind of sat back on my heels. There was definitely way more blood this time than there was with Cam. (laughs) Funny. We talked about that last episode. (laughs) Way more. And they like had this like big plastic thing out to like collect it all. I guess they like try to keep track of like how much blood you've lost. And it was like all scratchy and plasticky. And um, so I remember kind of fiddling around with that and then noticing like my legs are both like completely covered in blood. <laughs> like the murder have, scene. Like I didn't have my, um, I had like my shirt on still, which was like oddly comforting. And that like I felt like with Cam, like right before Cam was born, they were like pulling my shirt off and having, hi, buddy. Having, like, exposing my chest before he was born. And again, not that I was, like, prudish about it. Like, I'm um, the first one to whip my boob out to feed a baby. But it was just, like, it felt, like, uh, you know, felt vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this time, like, having, being kind of clothed and being in charge of of the baby without other people, like, pulling 
pulling at you or whatever was was awesome. So so we like let his cord quit pulsing and Bobby and I were just kind of like staring at him and I was still kind of sitting on my heels because I couldn't flip over and like sit down on my butt until the cord was cut because it was so like I just felt like it was so short that like if I tried to like turn that I was going to like pull on it somehow. I, don't, I just I was like, ah, I'm not going to flip over until yeah. we do that. Um and so, so yeah, so then I, I, after a couple minutes there, um, Bobby cut the cord and we flipped over and he like, um, yeah, he, we just kind of snuggled. They gave us a good amount of time and it, my placenta didn't come out right away. Like with Cam, it pretty much was born right away. And so they were watching the clock. It'd been about 10 minutes. Um, it hadn't come out. And then they wanted me to try pushing or they gave me a shot of Pitocin in my leg just to like help with some of the help that move out, which I agreed to. They, again, they asked my permission. And so I tried to push again. She's like, okay, just give me a little push. And so I tried to push like how, you know, we teach people like exhale and feel your ribs come down and like create pressure, but not bearing down. And it didn't, it, nothing happened. And so she's like, no, I'm going to need like (laughs) a good push, a real push. So, I, but I was like scared. Like I just did, like didn't want to push again. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. did like a baby Valsalva push, and it just came right out. No problem. So, um, so that was great. Um, yeah. So then that was kind of the that was kind of it. They really like they after that they left us alone. Everybody left except for my one nurse. We did quite a bit of like fundal massage and and what they were saying is that when you don't have IV Pitocin, um, they do want to watch that that uterus is, you know, contracting down and you're not bleeding too much. So they do more more fundal massage. So that answers our question from yeah. the previous episode. Yeah, because I really had none with Cam, but I think it was because I had had a lot of Pitocin. So I really wasn't bleeding that much. Um, and Were your postpartum or oh. post-delivery contractions worse this time? So bad. Aren't they? So they get worse bad. every single delivery. It wasn't delivery. like labor pain bad, but it was definitely enough to be uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, so I did have like a very small first degree tear. Um, and I thought for sure, like I was like, if I'm going to have a tear, it's going to be periurethral because I felt like that's where more of the pain was, was like <laughs> upwards. And that was all fine. I just had like a little grade one tear like down into the right, which is funny because I tore down into the left with with Cam. Um, yep. So she was like, it's going to hurt more to put in a couple shots of lidocaine than it is to just stitch this with nothing. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Oh, heck no. Oh, I haven't had shots of lidocaine in my perineum, but those two stitches were... I can't because you're already so um, raw after birth. You feel so raw. And then to have that sharp pain is like just insult to injury. I I think I wouldn't have minded if she had given me a couple shots of lidocaine. I don't know. Yeah, because then it would have numbed everything, right? That would have been great. would have been numb for a little while too. Yeah. So anyway, I just like grinned and bared it. Oof. And I didn't – they were like offering me like uh, like other – 
uh, oral pain meds, but I didn't want to take anything stronger because I just felt like, oh, this this is temporary. Like this pain of these stitches is only going to last as long as she's doing them. So she was like, I think I might have to do three. So then I'm like losing it as she's doing <laughs> the first one. And so she ended up just doing two. <laughs> And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, like, kind of was like, you're done anyways. <laughs> like, um, I feel mentally, like, after the baby was delivered, I was, like, done giving it mentally. Yeah. Like, I was done. Like, I didn't yeah. want any, I didn't want to give any effort after that. Yeah. Nothing. And yeah. so everything was, like, a big deal after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the pain is done. Like, I don't want any more. So the fundal massage was unpleasant. I was yeah definitely still bleeding a whole lot more than I was with with Cam. We just kind of hung out in that room. I took a little shower. They ended up putting him under the like heat lamp for a little bit because his temperature was a little lower. But then that was like maybe ten minutes, and then and that was in the room. Uh, otherwise, was like totally perfect, perfect Apgar scores. Like all of that stuff was great. Yeah. So then after a couple hours they they took us up to like our like room and really they kind of left us left us alone the rest of that night which was so nice like I felt like when after Cam was born we had so many checks and Mm -hmm. they insisted on giving him a bath like hours after he was born I was just like just leave us alone it's the middle of the night Um, so yeah no they really left us alone the pediatrician came in for a moment and just introduced himself and he's like, oh, I'll come back and check on you guys later. So like it was just like very relaxed um, in recovery and in on the floor. So because I was GBS positive and had obviously had not had time for an IV or antibiotics, mm-hmm. um, they did keep us a little bit longer, you know, monitored both of us for any, you know, taking taking our temperatures all the time, checking. We had a, our COVID test because I didn't have time for my COVID test before he was born. And yeah, that was all really, really sweet. The nursery nurse, so like the baby nurse was a sweet old lady, Sandra, and she was just so lovely. And um, yeah, everything was, was awesome. So that was everything. We, you know, they kept monitoring us cam went the next day to the pediatrician make again making sure everything was good that you know he hadn't picked up any sort of gbs type infection which he was fine yeah everything since then has been fantastic i really even feel like moving around postpartum your recovery has been faster and like because you didn't have an epidural i had a catheter for like a day and over a day after because my urethra was so swollen after Mm -hmm. cam was born so like all of those things yeah, so significantly better and more comfortable. Um, yeah, still awesome. a little bit of like burning with the peeing. Yeah, a little of course, bit of like cause... worry about trying to have that first bowel movement, but I didn't even have one in the hospital. I just like waited. It happened when I got home and it was all pretty good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so cool to have things play out the way you yeah. want them to. Yeah. And that's what I just kept saying the whole time was like everything really just was as as I had hoped for and um, felt really supported and felt really cared for. And, and I can't speak highly enough for, for doulas and support mm-hmm. people who are there continuously throughout your throughout your labor and... 
And Bobby was great and calm, more calm than this time, like more confident, more calm this time around. And I think obviously myself included in that too. And, and so, yeah, it was really everything I could have, could have hoped for. And I think who's to say if it was the result of preparation or, or just, oh, oh. <laughs> yes, that is awesome. <laughs> I have not heard a baby poop in years. Powerful. Powerful poop there, buddy. That probably is all over. <laughs> Has he been explosive yet? Have you not had any explosion? Only one almost leakage, but yeah, no, not nothing crazy yet. That might be the one. <laughs> Grand uh. finale. <laughs> But yeah, so I don't who knows. Was it was it because of all the preparation? Was it because of the team? Was it because of just a second baby that came faster and was in better position or who you know there's so many factors but just so so thankful and so grateful that he's here and he's healthy and yeah everything's been been wonderful so fun Mm -hmm. i love it i love it love it yeah well thank you for sharing your awesome birth story and thank you um, it was amazing it's so fun to have him here and now postpartum recovery check out Haley's facebook and instagram or instagram 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 yeah, some for of those, all those are tips. like kind of blowing up really which ones the last two so the, the poop one the poop and the pee they have a lot of views cool like you're getting the word like out there hundred thousands really yeah that's awesome <laughs> that's so cool i was like bobby this has fifty thousand views bobby this has a hundred thousand views. That is so awesome. So the word's getting out. Yeah, and so I was like, "What? What does this mean? What do I? What you know?" And so, but I think it's you know that thing that like nobody, nobody wants to talk about. Yeah, no one's telling people about it burning when you pee after you have a baby. Like, why? Like, why? Know. Why can't we talk about that? And why does that have to be you know a scary scary thing? We should know what we're getting into when we decide to have a baby, right? It's all rainbows and butterflies coming out. Yeah, just because we're medically sound doesn't mean we're comfortable yet. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so anything to make us more comfortable is going to help in that recovery and decrease mm-hmm. stress and you know put us at ease and. Cool. Well, yeah, definitely check out Haley's Instagram for all kinds of awesome postpartum tips. Comment on the platform you're listening to. Share with your friends. Rate us. Get the word out there. Share the pelvic health love. Share the bushy love. Share the bushy love. (laughs) The bushy love. You can communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment, and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. (laughs) And our music is provided by Blockhead.
Okay, so do we have a couple little housekeeping things we wanna we wanna talk about from some of our super listener supporters who are who we love and who are so smart and smarter than us? Yes, giving us some feedback. We have some pretty awesome listeners, and a couple of them are friends. midwives. Yeah. They are friends yeah. before they were listeners. <laughs> now they're both, and they're midwives. So I love getting their input because oh, yeah. it's always like a different view on the same topic, especially pre and postpartum women. Mm -hmm. And so a couple highlights from one of them is that she was talking about the diaphragm. We didn't really talk about it as a contraceptive. We were talking about having talking sex about, yeah, on your period with the disc. or with the disc and how they were similar in style. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. we were wondering how a disc would keep out sperm. Uh, yeah. Two different things. So you have the diaphragm which is a contraceptive mm -hmm. that needs to be used as spermicide. And fit for you. And fit for so you. So it's like the right size to kind of cover the entire cervix so the spermies can't <laughs> get, get it. it. <laughs> and then you have the disc, which is menstruation tool. Yeah. Yep. Catcher, mm -hmm. blood catcher. And one drawback on the diaphragm and spermicide use is that it it's chemicals, so it can cause irritation. Mm -hmm. But it's a non-hormonal option, it's a sort of a barrier method similar to condoms. I get. I, I guess it would not be protective against STDs or STIs. But if you know potentially postpartum, you're looking for a birth control option that's not hormonal. Yeah, that seems like it could be a decent, decent option. So I have to say this in the hospital, <laughs> the midwife, when she came in right before she discharged me, she was like, "So yeah, follow up scheduled for four weeks." She talked a little bit about depression she talks you know talked about a couple of things and then she's like yeah and start thinking about what kind of birth control method you want to use um, if any like at that follow-up appointment and I know that that's like a big part of that follow-up appointment you know the last thing you want is to get pregnant in those first couple of weeks not that that's happening whatsoever. It's just funny to me how really a lot of the conversation at that first follow-up appointment does go straight to contraception versus physical healing. I mean, it, it is about physical healing, but... Right. Give you longer to heal before you're pregnant again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm always imagine. impressed when people have, like, Irish twins. I'm like, dang, you know? Yeah. That was quick... Yeah. Recovery. My, my dad and his brother are 13 months apart, and my aunt is 15 months younger than my dad. Oh, so it was three goodness. and three, like essentially three and like two years. That's insane. And then my uncle was like a couple years after that. But my nana used to always tell this story of she had my uh, uncle who was one, my dad who was like a couple months old, or no, yeah, who was like not that old. Both of the babies in the bathtub, she found out she was pregnant with my aunt just shut the door with the babies in the bathroom and just sat outside the bathroom door and just cried because <laughs> she's like and and it was like the 50s right so like very traditional you know families where my grandpa worked all day and expected dinner and a clean house and all of those things to be done so sort of more traditional roles mm -hmm. and my nana really was a, a modern woman in that she always returned to teaching between kids and and wanted her her own career but yeah she would always say that like she just shut the shut the babies in the bathtub 
<laughs> and just bawled because <laughs> she knew like how hard that was going to be. But the three, you know, all of my aunts, my aunt and my uncles are all all really close. And and I think, you know, it pays off in, in the end. But yeah, I can, I can only imagine how not only the physical aspect of that, but the just a mental and mental and emotional side. <laughs> so if you think about, you know, up until now where multiple children very close together mm-hmm. more than two or three, right? They had huge families, like way back. I'm talking mm-hmm. way back, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And birth control like wasn't a thing yet. How in the world did they keep having babies? Like what kind of pelvic floor issues did they have? Oh, I'm Is this where we get like this idea that pelvic floor issues are like a passage into motherhood because yeah, they didn't so. have the resources to yeah, address it. I like, mean, my my nana has now passed away and a big component of her decline was chronic bladder issues. Really interesting. Um, chronic UTIs um, and then uh, so much frequency and urgency at night, which would cause her to want to get up out of bed and try to go to the bathroom. And then she had a fall. And and so and then that mobility decline. And so that's really, you know, that's not something that I'm sort of actively involved in treatment wise right now, but definitely for me, an area of, of passion. And that's something that I think I would love to get more involved with this sort of bladder function through the lifespan and mm-hmm. how pelvic floor PT can be implemented into um, community programs or aging programs for those these women that, yeah, who, who the, the obstetrics and pelvic health or women's health care that they received back in the day, mm-hmm. which was standard episiotomies, standard forceps, you know, assisted old school methods that mm-hmm. have left you know, really a generation of women with significant pelvic floor concerns. And yeah, it's it's a huge factor with mortality as people age. And now that the life expectancy is longer, it's even more important that we take care of ourselves during the childbearing years, but leading up to menopause so mm-hmm. that we can get through menopause and yeah. live much longer than menopause with happy pelvic floors. Because mm-hmm. that's hundreds of years ago, they weren't living this long. So maybe they mm-hmm. hit menopause and it was a mute point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be so interesting to dive into all that. Um, one more tidbit from our German. There's two German midwives that. That's so funny. One we share friends and one I met in Kansas. And they're they're so awesome because they they both message me. And it's always like the same things. Like their thought process is just so similar. That's and so it's just amazing. Um, so if you use sponges, you're either soaking them in spermicide as a contraceptive or they're just sponges to, to keep sex less messy so you can keep an in during sex mm, so less wop action yeah you would think but Maybe if you're if on your you, period oh for your period it's would yeah. be more on your period you can use them as, with a spermicide for Anytime. a contraceptive mm-hmm. or especially or on your period just putting them in on your period because i have had sex. some patients though also who have said that they in terms of lubrication they have what they feel like is too much and that maybe that would be an option. Hmm, that's would that be like the squirter category? Um, I don't know if squirters are more wet throughout or just at like climax. Okay. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think for me with the disc, I don't think I ever tried to have sex with it in. 
I feel like it would depend on if it was going to get, like, dislodged. Like, if it was going to get, like, bumped out of place. And more, maybe more being worried about it. Getting, like, knocked. And then, like, leaking like crazy. Yeah. Not that they get going to fall out, but it was just sort of this, when I had it in, I was like, ah, I feel like that's going to get hit. Well, and the fact of it getting hit or not is probably dependent on your partner and how big they are or long or, you know. Or where your cervix is. Or where your cervix is. (laughs) Or your anatomy and how, like, long or short. Or where it's, like, if it's really back or up or anterior cervix or posterior cervix or. So many factors into. Which is why there's not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. You got to find your own own tools that work. 